Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. Before today's episode, we just wanted to say, we're not qualified specialists. If you have any issues, see a healthcare professional. The daily posts, including recipes, exercises, nutrition facts, and calorie comparisons, follow us on Instagram at The Nutrition Expedition. Peace. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. This is episode 25. I'm Lachlan Kanan. I'm joined as always by Matteo Villa. Hey guys, how are you? So I'll let Matteo introduce today's guest. Yeah, so uh, we're very privileged today to have uh, the founder of MiniFit Business, Rugby League Roosters legend. Uh, he's got over 300 games for the Roosters, scoring over 139 tries. Um, 14 games for the Blues, 26 international caps representing both Italy and Australia. 2004 Dalian Fullback of the Year, 2005 Rugby League International Federation Back of the Year, Wally Lewis Medal, 2005 State of Origin, uh, 2007 Roosters Team of the Century, and most importantly and most impressively, I think uh, he's the finalist of the 2006 Sexiest Man in League, uh, the Italian Stallion himself, Anthony Minicello, thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It always gets mentioned somehow that uh, that one, that little award there back in the day. But uh, yeah, quite funny. But I'll yeah, tell you what, appreciate that's, you. That's, uh, more, that's, that's more impressive than anything else. I feel like on, on, <laughs> on the list. That's incredibly uh, hard to do. Fun times. Yeah. So to get straight into it, Minnie, I just wanted to ask. Um, usually we ask guests where their health journey began, and but for you, I'd ask yep. where did your rugby league journey begin. Uh, so I grew up southwest of Sydney on five acres, you know, younger brother, younger sister, um, you know, two really hardworking parents. So we had a work ethic really instilled in us from a really young age um, from our parents, you know, that if we didn't work hard, then you don't really succeed in anything that you try and do. Uh, so, you know, we had, we're obviously Italian background, so the whole um, Italian way back then is to grow your own, cook your own. So we had it. You know, chickens and eggs and cows and fruit trees and veggie patches all in the backyard and you know, on our farm. And my mum, great cook, used to cook all that stuff up. So without even knowing uh, about too much nutrition back in, in those days, we had a whole food upbringing and we played many a sports. You know, my two main sports as a young kid was gymnastics and little athletics. Yeah. Uh, I didn't start rugby league until I was 10 years of age. So that's where sort of rugby league started for me when I was 10 and fell in love with the game straight away because of the team aspect of it all, you know, athletics and gymnastics, more individual sports. And, uh, yeah, from then it just grew on. I was you know, six years later when I was 16 in year 10, I got signed by the Roosters and the great Arthur Beats and uh, took me out of the West and put me into the East at the Roosters. So, hmm. and that was it. Stayed at the Roosters for 18 years. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to get, so obviously for now we're going to be start, uh, staying on your career and then we might move in, we'll, we'll move into, uh, your post-career journey and what you've been up to um but just for now like uh, talk us through your so obviously you said 16 years old um a kid from liverpool uh obviously you went into and you had your first debut uh in 2000 uh what was that first debut like was it daunting what what were the sort of emotions leading up to that first day 
Yeah, so the year 2000, obviously, was the Olympics year mm. in Sydney. So they started the season, I think it was a month earlier or so. And they were allowing for the first six weeks of the competition to have six people on the bench. And they could use any of those six, but with a certain amount of... Or actually, it was unlimited interchange back then, um, in the year 2000. So I got a chance in round six. I was one of the last... You know, the last um, weeks where they could have six people on the bench and we we're playing the Bulldogs. I was on the bench uh, at Allianz Stadium and I got on to the last 10 minutes. Mm. Um, so it, well, that, that was a pretty quick sort of whirlwind. But the week after was when I started on the wing. And I remember back at Allianz Stadium, I was bloody nervous to, yeah. to go out and start a game against Manly, pretty good team. And I remember just looking around the dressing room and, you know, Brad Fittler and Adrian Lamb and Brian Fletcher and all these senior guys. Um, and they, they made me feel really comfortable. They just said, mate, you're here for a reason. Just go out and do your job. And that's where my career started. And I stayed in first grade ever since that point. Um, so the first grade debut was, was a good one for me. Mm, yeah, and um, reading up on you and obviously knowing about you as Will growing up as a rugby league legend, um, something I think that is unique and uh, actually looking back on great your story is um, not only the highs but the lows you had including the injuries because obviously you grow through those adversities and uh, in between 2006 and 2009 you had mostly that back injury but you had multiple injuries so I just want to ask how do you deal with those injuries over those time and um, actually like overcome and adapt? Yeah so you know, the first six years of my career, I basically never got injured. Um, so I go back to where I grew up and that whole food nutrition. I had a really good, strong foundation without even knowing it. And I basically played the most amount of games in a three-year period in the NRL from, I think it was 2003 to 2005. Um, you know, we were, we were a pretty good team at the Roosters at that point. So we were making grand finals most years. And then I'll you know, playing for New South Wales and going on tour over in England. So played a lot of games and never got injured. Uh, also burning the candle at both ends. After a game the weekend, you enjoy uh, not just a few beers, but many um, <laughs> on multiple occasions. Had a, you know, there's great times that you had back then. You know, every team was doing it. Uh, but in 2006 or 2005, I probably had my best individual year with some of those awards that you mentioned. Mm. But my back started to flare up every now and again. And I had two bulging discs in my lower back, which I was ignoring. And most the, the, our physio and our doctor were saying, look, you've got to look, make sure you look after your lower back, use it for everything. And I was, um, you know, my attitude back then was just, yeah, I'll be sweet, I'll be sweet. I'll just go out and play another good game, which, which I was doing. But then I was doing the same things. I wasn't changing uh, any of the food I was eating, the recovery, any, type, any anything like that. So... 2006 sort of season rolls around and I do my back pretty bad in the pre-season, but I uh, recover, I get prepared for round one. In the first six games of that season, I, I play with constant hamstring pain down my left leg, which I thought was hamstring pain, but it was actually nerve pain. And I go in, I get selected for the Anzac Day test mm. and I get ruled out of that game because I couldn't, down, couldn't have been down and touched my toes because that sharp pain would dig in. Mm. And I would just been down and touched my knees before it, you know, I was trying to avoid that pain. So I got ruled out of that game and got sent to a specialist. And I had a ruptured disc in my L5S1, one of the low, lowest discs in the lower back. 
and that's that started my run of injuries. Mm. Uh, everything just come crashing down because I wasn't looking after myself away from the sport. And I got went in and got an operation in 2005. I fixed that disc up, and I, the 2006 season rolls around, and the disc above does the same thing, uh, L4-5. So I go in and get another operation, and then I come back for the 2008 season, and I do a huge disc bulge in my neck, just wear and tear, just on the bench press, actually, is uh, pushing out a rep. And I played a couple of games after that with um, no sort of strength in my left hand. And the MRI again reveals a huge disc bulge in my neck. Uh, and then I then I started to think, you know, what the hell is going on with my spine? I've, you know, I've had two back operations already. I had a small disc bulge in my thoracic mid-back. Now I've got this huge disc bulge in my neck, which... You know, doctors were saying I was only one millimetre away from my spinal cord, so oh, wow. pretty close there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the mind started to think what the hell is going on. And, you know, doctors were even MRIing my whole spine and saying, look, I don't think you should play a contact sport anymore because every single disc in your back is dehydrated, degenerative, it's black, they should be white. Uh, so, you know, we had access to all the best doctors and specialists as a professional team. And the news was pretty grim. Mm. Um, at that point in time, I met my wife as well, and she was always um, sort of pushing me to find the answers, uh, saying, you know, you've got to find the root cause of this. Everyone's trying to treat the symptoms. So she got me curious to go on a quest to try and find why was this happening, not just, you know, take a tablet for this, take a tablet for that. So I found one guy that I work with, uh, Aaron McKenzie, good friend of mine now, a mentor. He's got a business called Origin of Energy, and uh, I started working with him at end of 2008, and I thought I was on the right track. 2009 season rolls around, and I do all my ligaments in my left ankle, synosmosis, the three major ligaments, mm-hmm. and a spiral fracture under my knee. The rotation force was that big uh, in my smaller bone, the fibula. So I was out for another 22 weeks. So this is four years now. had a run of injuries. Um, and I was coming off contract too at the Roosters, but I'm pretty lucky that uh, you know the Roosters and I have a great understanding. They they gave me a one year deal uh, for the following year in 2010, so I just took that up match payments, and I really took a step backwards and started to uh, build my foundation a lot stronger. And that's when I really started to focus on nutrition and you know, the power it has on uh, healing and recovering uh, the body. And I really took a deep dive into that stuff. Yeah, um, and it's interesting, you know, great great uh, recap of your injuries there. Lockie and I have both have, um, have both had injuries. Lockie tore his ACL actually one, one day before uh, our year 12 formal. So that's a nice little oh, story no. you've got there. So he was, <laughs> he's got all these photos for the rest of his life in a nice little brace. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had like a, I, I played tennis at quite a high level. Um, and I had a wrist injury for quite a long time. So it's, yep. it's quite interesting to be able to see some similarities between us and you and how it really, you know, it can lead on to more injuries and more mental health problems. And then uh, yep. looking into nutrition, and, and this is what I'm gonna ask you just now, is that what you said at the start of your career, you had a, a sort of, uh, like you had a sort of, you were ignoring, ignoring taking care of yourself while you were injured. Um, yeah. What, what at the start, so I'd like you to, to go into what was your nutrition like when you were younger and when you were off injured 
and had more of a ignorance towards uh, taking care of yourself? And what was it like when you had injuries later on in your career? And what, what lessons did you learn in those two situations? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, you know, growing up on that farm, which I mentioned, we, we had our own cows, chickens, eggs, veggie patches, you know, fruit trees, everything. So, you know, once a year or a couple times a year, my dad or my family would get the local butcher over and we would we had our own cows. So they were grass-fed, grass-finished, or raised on pasture, which is important. Um, healthy uh, cows, healthy chickens, and we used to consume those frequently and a lot of plant foods, uh, fruits and vegetables that come from our own garden. So, you know, there's no... Um, herbicides, pesticides, insecticides all over them. So they're just clean food with real nutrient-dense foods. And my mum used to cook all that up uh, for us. So, you know, having uh, a good balance of uh, whole fresh food really built our tissues a lot stronger than, uh, say, if you're on a processed food diet or a high-carbohydrate diet. So when I was young, you know, we played so many sports, my younger brother, younger sister, we never seemed to get injured at all. Uh, we never seem to get sick um, at all either. Uh, we're always pretty healthy. And then, obviously, when I signed the Roosters at 16, I moved into the East at 18. And that all f- started to fall away where I wasn't getting home-cooked meals. My parents, I was eating out every night. Uh, then, you know, drinking and enjoying yeah. life as well after games. It used to happen all the time. Um, you know, anti-inflammatory tablets, sleeping tablets, prescription medication come into it as well when you get bumps and bruises as an athlete you want to make sure that you're um you're back on track for training or even going out with the team you know that that's the way it was so that my foundation started to deteriorate but I, I didn't listen to those signs and i had signs where the black back would flare up and then fade away in a couple of days or you know rashes will pop up or stomach problems or you know i end up having stomach ulcers in the end Uh, All those signs were just an accumulation of uh, eating processed foods, uh, prescription medication, uh, alcohol consumption, um, you know, not enough sleep. All that was just a a build-up of toxicity in the body and then something had to give because I was pushing my body to the absolute limit of training and playing, uh, you know, a combat sport. So what what was... was, um, what was going to break first and in, in my um in my body it was my lower back my my dehydration of my discs were from poor not feeding the body the right nutrition and the right recovery and then pushing it to the absolute limit so that was the deterioration in my lower back um and then uh, you know I, I didn't i didn't think at that at the time i was just in this uh sort of uh, bubble of playing football and performing at my best each week. And then it wasn't until uh, I sort of got pushed by my wife and then found Aaron McKenzie that I started to rediscover um, that, you know, food has a huge effect on the way we feel, our mood and the way we recover uh, and how we build new tissues. So... I thought when I, when I started seeing Aaron once a week and we were learning about this stuff and I was doing functional uh, movement training back then in 2008, um, I was like, this is the way I used to eat when I was a kid, you know, slow cooking a lot of meals, um, having good healthy fats, good quality protein, seasonal uh, fruit and veg, 
so I, I started to, I got, I got rid of everything. I got rid of uh, the alcohol, the prescription medication, all that stuff that I had uh, in my cupboard and all the processed foods. I just got rid of it, all the vegetable oils, the industrial seed oils, everything, got rid of it all. And I felt crap for two weeks because just crap was just coming out of my body. But then I, after the point, uh, I started to sleep better. That's what I noticed first. And once you start sleeping better, you wake up clearer, uh, mental clarity is much better. You've got more energy production through the day. Uh, you're making better decisions. Your emotional state's much better. And from that, uh, then my physical uh, body started to repair. Uh, and then once once I felt the difference, then, you know, why would I go back to uh, eating crap food when I can feel the difference? I can, uh, you know, the you know, your mental clarity was there the emotional state was much more stable uh everything just started to improve mm. and we we see just before lucky asked the next question we see that when people tell you stuff and you know nutritionists or physios when they tell you to eat stuff a lot of the time as an athlete you can get in your own way and you can you can choose not to believe that sort of stuff but once you see and feel the difference in your body that's a different story because then then it's proof to you that your body is healing and feeling much better, so it's much easier to follow those sort of those um, that information that your your team is telling you. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, you know, the, even back in the day, that you know, the conventional model, the conventional we had a nutritionist on board as well, and yeah. they were telling me, I oh, for my body type, I've got good genes and genetics, so I can basically eat what I wanted. So once you hear that at a young age, in your yeah. early twenties, you know, you think you're your grandparents or your parents made you well, and that's yeah. that's what I thought. So I was doing whatever I wanted um, until I until I was broken. Then I started to realize that's that's was the real learning curve for me. Um, a lot of people say, "Oh, it must have been a tough time." Looking back now, you know, I met my wife through that time. Uh, I'm doing what I do now because of that time. Uh, it was a massive um, uh, part for me where I evolved and became a better person. Absolutely. Yeah, and just last episode, we're on with a nutritionist and we're talking about the importance of micronutrients because a lot of people go on these macronutrient diets and don't really focus on the, the basics of what you really should be having in the foundation of a good diet, which is a range of micronutrients to support yourself. So I think it's amazing yep. that um, you've put that forward. So it actually shows people that it is important especially for a, a massive athlete as yourself. So uh, next I wanted to go on to another adversity, which is multiple grand final losses and how you not only um, came back stronger, but actually came back to win grand finals for yourself. Yeah, you know, I was pretty lucky at the Roosters. You know, we're, we're a club that has a winning culture. You know, if, if we're not winning, then our boss will make changes. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you've you, you got to, we're there to win. And that's, yeah. that's the attitude of everyone from staff down to the, the players. And, you know, I love that. So I was lucky that you know, I played in six grand finals, you know, over 15 years. And I lost four, but I won, I won two. Um, so it was, you know, when you, when you look at athletes or professional teams, not just rugby league, any, any team, it's bloody hard to, to be at the top and win. Um, you know, you've got to have everything go right through the season, injuries, um, you know, coaching staff, all that type of stuff. So, you know, I won one early uh, in 2002. Well, my first 
year in first grade, I got to play in the grand final against the Broncos in mm. the year 2000. They were a red-hot team back then, and, and they got us 14-8. But, you know, a couple of years later, we beat the Warriors. Um, so I was 22, and the next two years, we'll win grand finals again against Penrith and the, the Bulldogs. So that, that third part of my career will just... Uh, it seems like we're just in grand finals every week. And that's that was a great time, but uh, it also led to my injuries because we we partied hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's all. It's all. It's all a learning curve. Life is a learning curve. You know, you got to learn and evolve. And um, you know, then we hit a down period where we didn't uh, go too well. And yeah, you know, 2006, seven, and eight, nine, and then 2010, we come back and made a grand final, but the Dragons got us. But 2013 was a real special year. You know, I was captain of the club and, you know, I'd come through those injuries and, you know, a new coach and we had some good players on board and, you know, we we get to lift the trophy against Manly and probably a, one of the epic grand finals was pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you, well, uh, I'm sure you remember this game, but in 2010, I remember being, I was born in 2000. Um, so I was obviously 10, 10 years old at, at that point. And I remember the pre- preliminary final you guys played against um, the Tigers where Brayton Astor kicked that field oh, goal yeah. from 40 metres out. Um, I was actually in yeah. the stands and, and I was on the verge of tears of how nervous I was in that game. Um, that, yeah. And I was, actually, I was actually in that corner where Kenny Dow scored the intercept try. And I remember, oh, awesome. I remember leaving that stadium and I'm a very nervous, I was a very nervous person anyway. And I remember leaving that stadium and feeling ill. I, ha- I had like a, an impact on me from that game of how nervous I was. Um, and the relief that, of that yeah. whole area when, when he scored was just incredible. So I remember that year like it was yesterday. Um, and the, the, the heartbreak of losing to the Dragons. I remember it was pouring that day. And I remember, you know, yep. my sort of attitude towards that game was the same as the weather. You know, after that game, I was very... <laughs> Very down. Um, it was like a nightmare. The first half yeah. wasn't raining, and then we it went in. Stuck. Yeah, it started bucketing. Or four point lead, and then the second half to come out, and it just pissed down rain, and the nightmare begun. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, so you obviously talked about we. You obviously talked about the grand final and um, the two thousand and thirteen grand final. I feel like that. Yeah, like you said, it was one of the best. Uh, the best grand finals. I remember Jennings scoring that try, and then mm. uh, it really went on from there. And you just you sort of you sort of ran out the game and and sort of ended it in a good way. How did it feel? Obviously, you might have gone into this a little bit, but how did it feel? Was it almost a relief from not winning the two thousand and ten final? Um, obviously, having such a tight game in the two thousand and thirteen final, was it uh, was it just a feeling of relief winning it again? Oh, it, it was, um, oh, it was, it's hard to describe. It's, it's, it is very hard to win a grand final. But to, to bring you back to that preseason of that year when Trent Robinson was announced coach, young coach, no one knew too much about him. You know, we signed Sonny Bill, we signed Jennings, we signed Maloney. Um, you know, and everyone was saying, oh, they've got a good team. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to formulate a good winning culture, you know, Good players just don't make a winning team straight away. So we had to start again from scratch. The year before, we finished, I think, 13th or 14th. And, you know, we sat in meeting rooms and in camp and we're like, you know, what team do we want to be? Uh, who's got our measure? Who really belts us when we play them? And we said, you know, every time we play Manly, they just give it to us. 
And we, we, we said, you know what, that enough's enough. Manly's our target this year. And it was just weird how the whole season played out. We played them five times. So we wow. played them in a trial match. We played them twice through the year. Then we played them in the first semi-final where we won 4-0. And that was just a brutal game. Yeah. And then we, we played them in the, in the grand final. And we beat them all five. That, so it was, I don't know how, Robbo framed the year how we wanted to be a second-half team. And we, we haven't been a second-half team in years. We want to get better in the second half, especially the last 15 minutes. And we trained our whole preseason on that mindset. That whole mindset is where better than anyone else in the second half. 15 minutes to go, that's when we start to pick up the pace and everyone will fall away. So we had that mindset from day dot in preseason. And it's weird when you fast forward to the grand final and there's, I think there's 15 or 20 minutes to go and we're down by 10 points. Mm. And some people in the team were you know, a bit panicked. And it was just like, boys, just calm down. You know, we've trained for this the whole, the, whole, the whole year. We started this in preseason where we're, we're better than them. We're better than anyone in the second half. Just go out and do your job, do no one else's. And that's the start where Sean, Sean Keane Dow scored, Aiden Guerrero scored, and then Jennings topped it off with that try, and we win by eight points. So that, that was you know, holding up the trophy and then looking at the team saying, mate, we started that whole preseason on on the fact that we wanted to build our second half performance and be better than anyone else. And then we had to actually pull that out, what we trained all, all year for, out of the bank in the grand final and it just come to fruition. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and um, I think it's sort of the end to every fairy tale what you had because you went through all those injuries and you went through that down period which every great story has and then you lost the grand final and you still went through that and then you became captain and you went up and then you ended winning a grand final which was awesome so i think that was yeah that was that was amazing. satisfying you know my, my wife was there and she'd been through those injuries injuries with me as well so she was pregnant at the time so it was just a great year 2013 yeah, yeah and then you know, it, it's it's quite rare for people in any sport to be able to retire. Obviously, you retired in 2014, but it's it's very rare for people to be able to retire on top. You know, a lot of times in, in sports, you hear the, the story of people retiring when they're at their worst. You know, there's a slow deterioration. Yep. But, you know, Lockie and I both agree on this. You have to be commended on your longevity throughout your career. You know, you were really able to extend your career and really perform uh, in, even in your last years. Um, do you think that nutrition had a had a had a role in that for sure? Um, in, in you being able to play longer and and be very efficient. Totally, hundred percent. Um, you know, when I when I speak to people now when I do talks, I, I tell a comparison of my MRIs. You know, mm. remember when I said back when the doctor was saying you got to find a new new career because all those discs are black. Mm. You know, I show a comparison now when. Um, I MRI my back in 2014 when I retired that year, and then I comparison to 2007 when my back was all broken, the tissues were compromised, everything black, and the contrast is pretty amazing. All my discs are white and healthy again, uh, except the ones that I got operated on because they've been fiddled with. But all the tissues around that, which hold our spine together, are healthy, vibrant, strong, and you know many of doctors were even saying to me that, that that couldn't happen. And that that was down to the nutrition that I was putting in my body. You know, the, the body 
naturally wants to heal itself if we allow it to. And how, how, how do we how do we do that? We eat the right foods. We eat whole fresh food. You know, I, I, I've got four steps that I'm pretty meticulous with now with my nutrition. And the first step is know the source of your food. So if you're eating animal products, pasture raised, grass fed and finished beef and lamb, wild caught fish, um, organic free range chicken and pork, plant foods, try and get them local, uh, seasonal, a uh, lot of, lot of uh, good quality bone broth uh, and certain nuts and seeds. So the source of my products, step one is the source of my products I'm meticulous with. And then this, my step two is the process of that. So what oils are you cooking with? Getting rid of all the vegetable oils that are really oxidized and create problems with our blood vessels and arteries and cooking with more uh, natural fats and good quality oils that can withstand high heat. And then the second part of the process is if we're roasting uh, any animal products, slowing that process down to 130 degrees or lower in the oven or cooking in the slow cooker where all the enzymes and nutrition stays intact instead of burning it all out when you're putting on 180 and 200 degrees. Mm. That's, that's step two. So step three is uh, decrease my consumption of uh, refined and processed foods. Uh, and then step four is the intermittent fast. So they give your body a, a rest from digestion uh, each day or weekly where the body can start to promote healing and restoration um, instead of turning all its energy to digestion. So they're, 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 they're my four steps that I live by now. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing when you see this image of these my two MRIs of my spine and I'm much older, I'm 34 and one, and it's so much more healthier than when I was 27. It's supposed to be in the peak of my powers. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, so obviously we've talked a lot about your career and, and a very impressive career and, and one, one man, uh, one, one club man. Um, but now we want to sort of move into your life after, after league and your retirement story as well as you know, the rest of your life. And obviously you're, you're wearing a very, uh, very nice looking uh, jumper today with a nice little logo. <laughs> and we'd just like to go into uh, your business that you've opened uh, or that you've rebranded recently on Instagram, uh, Minifit. Yep. And, and what, just, just let the listeners know what does the business entail and what's the main goal or aim. And obviously we tried to get you on today. Uh, a family friend of mine, a very, a very big Roosters fan, Hernan, um, he shared the page with me. And he said, look, maybe you want to get into maybe getting uh, Mini on the podcast and talking to him about his, about his business because it very much links up with your, you know, your thought process and your and Lockie's thought process. Um, so, yeah, just give the, give the uh, listeners a little overview of what your business yep. entails and how, how it got started. Yeah, sure. So, so um, when, I was, when I was going through those injuries, I was like, you know, what's my backup if I... Uh, don't come back and play footy. And I was a cabinet maker by trade, so I sort of didn't want to go back to that. Uh, but I always loved health and fitness once I got into it. Uh, and I love working with kids. So I registered the name Minifit 2010. And towards the end of my career, I started doing um, school term sort of exercise uh, programs for different schools. Uh, and then once I retired, I went into uh, the holiday clinic space where I'll do kids' holiday clinics for the club industry, so RSLs, bowling clubs, leagues clubs, and that was going quite well. Um, obviously, when COVID hit, <laughs> uh, those all those clinics uh, 
uh, on hold and my school programs are also on hold. So now I've evolved the business. Uh, it's not just kids. They're, they're the, my workouts are kid-friendly, but predominantly for older people where they can train with me live three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 4.30, or access uh, a library of workouts on my on-demand service. So it's just people can subscribe to minifit.com.au and train with me. It's all functional, body weight, uh, 10 to 20 minute uh, workouts. Um, so that's uh, pretty exciting at the moment, building building that. Um, I'm loving what I'm doing. Uh, so if anyone, anyone wants to check it out, just head to minifit.com.au and you know, two weeks are free when they sign up so they can uh, get a feel for it and see if they like it. Yeah, awesome. And we've talked a lot about nutrition and uh, how important a good foundation of nutrition is, but I want to ask about uh, exercise for not only kids, but for all ages, the importance that you believe everyone should be exercising. Well, it's, you know, it's important to move, you know, we're born to move our bodies, you know, and when, when we think about uh, our daily lives, if anyone works in an office, uh, are they conscious about uh, their sitting time? So you think about it, you wake up and most of them sit for breakfast, they sit in the car, they travel to work, they sit in their office, and all they're doing is they're sitting all day. So moving the body initially is key to, you know, from kneeling, standing, laying, sitting, um, is being conscious of that. So trying to move the body every 15 to 20 minutes and get out of that stagnation. Uh, and then, you know, exercise on top of that is pushing your body to your own threshold. Uh, not no one else's, you know, that's the, uh, everyone wants to go to the gym and, and give them, flog themselves for an hour and a half. You know, you don't really need to do that. You know, it, it, it's, you tailor the exercises to you and, and, and your own threshold. So, um, you know, pushing your body to a limit and then recovering. Recovery is equally as important as your exercise. Uh, so having time for recovery and rest uh, is, is a good thing. Um, but just being more conscious about the way we move throughout the day uh, and then elevate that heart rate when you, when you want. And that, that's why I've developed the, the you know, 10 to 20 minute workout. So you know, my goal now is I love gymnastics training now as well. But my goal now is to train every day to feel good every day. I don't want to uh, flog my body uh, in one session, but then I'm so sore that I can't train for three days. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I'd rather be consistent with my training so then I can move and train every day if I want to. Yeah, and um, training with just getting a foundation for the core, like a strong core is awesome because it all starts in there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That Look, that that's... that's um, you know, on top of the nutrition, my core training, I was very meticulous with, and that's what both of those in combination really repaired my, my spine and, and the tissues around my spine. So I, I always say, if you don't have time to uh, train, then just put four minutes of work in, so your core training, front and back. Now, most people just train the anterior, which is the yeah. front. You're train your posterior too, so your, your front and back. And the most simple... One is is just bridges, just holding a bridge uh, on your stomach or even on your back. So you're doing both sides and you're just holding there for a minute. Most people forego that type of training because they think it's boring and they're just holding there for a minute or 30 seconds to a minute. But that's the type of training that will work our little deeper tissue muscles that hold our spine together 
Um, and, you know, when we're pushing weights or training heavy, then the big muscles kick in, those little ones fall asleep. So it's important to train both to make sure that we, we are stable in, in those areas in our neck and lower back. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, back to going back to your business, I was just really wanted to say that I was really inspired and in seeing uh, that you had such a passion for keeping, you know, kids active and families as a whole active. Um, so people of all ages, from little kids in school to people, you know, that are, you know, doing yep. work at home or, or working normal hours and, you know, can join you and do workouts. I was just wondering, in terms of the kid aspect, did you have any inspiration for your business from your your ability at when you were younger to be active and to you know play a bunch of sports did you get the inspiration for your business from that yeah, for sure because i grew up with a lot of space and you know this day and age is a lot different you know i didn't have we didn't have technology like we did today yeah so you find with kids now they can really get locked into their ipads yeah. and their devices and they really get transplant and they don't go outside in the backyard anymore. They don't go and ride their bike. Um, you know, they're on YouTube a lot more. So getting kids outdoors and running these holiday clinics uh, was a big driver for me to try and uh, even for uh, social interaction, you know, how to deal with other kids or deal with um, uh, boys and girls in a, in a group situation. You know, some, some people and some kids get lost now because they're always on that device and it's just the social interaction is lost a bit. So, mm. you know, that was a big uh, driver in, in the, the start of the mini fit business, yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually, it was quite sad. I saw a year ago, I was actually on a bus before all this COVID stuff happened. Um, I was on a bus and I was just sitting there and there was this mum, this single mum with a pram and the baby was just crying, 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 crying. And he had he had toys on the top of his pram jingling and it didn't even want to have a side of, a side of it. It didn't even want to touch those toys. And the mum just ended up giving the baby uh, her phone. And the baby instantly shut up and didn't, say, didn't cry one more bit, didn't say anything else. And it was just such a crazy analogy for the, the world we live in at the moment where everyone needs a phone in their hand or an iPad or, or a camera or something to keep their you know mind on something else it's quite sad to see that that's the way we've come mm. i think I so, so i think with your business it's really important um and i think you've done a great job in in telling us about why it's important to stay active as a kid yeah 100 percent. you know obviously technology uh is not going to go away it's just yeah. important to find a balance with it you know and you know sometimes you can get lost in uh, staying on these devices for long long periods of time um, and that's a detriment to our health as well. Yeah. So trying to rebalance that, get outdoors again and uh, run around in the backyard. And, and you know, there's, there's great things about technology as well, like, you know, like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, being conscious about having a balance um, with, our, with ourselves and our kids. Yeah, and you've talked about um, exercise with kids, but I just wanted to ask, have you got any tips for any parents about nutrition for feeding their kids? and some t- um, easier ways to get kids to try things. Yeah. <laughs> so my daughter go, my daughter's six as well, and she goes in and out of different uh, vegetables and whatnot. So yeah. it is challenging, I, I must admit. It's definitely challenging. Um, but, you know, I've got some 
good uh, recipes that I'm going to start sharing on my website as well for you know, natural pancakes, which my daughter loves. So Absolutely. they're only it's a three step ingredient ingredients to make these pancakes. So you've got you know, pastured eggs, you've got psyllium husk, which is the plant based fibre, wow. and then you can throw a banana ring. You whisk that up, and the psyllium husk will make it a thick paste, and that's your that's your pancake. You fry that up with some blueberries or strawberries, and then you've got pancakes. Uh, or making natural pizza from eggs, uh, cheese, and cauliflower as your base. Now, all these different tricks that you could uh, incorporate in uh, your kids' sort of eating regime, uh, to, they think it's a pizza, they think it's pancakes, but they're really nutritious for you. Yeah. So, you know, smoothies as well, making uh, you know, chalk banana smoothies with raw cacao powder and um, you know, some, you know, avocado to thicken it up, but they, you know, they don't know it's in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just trying, trying things that are still nutrient dense, um, and see what they like and dislike. But I know, I know it's hard because you know, my daughter goes in and out of uh, her ways as well, and challenging times to try and feed her the, the vegetables and stuff like that. But um, it's try and play. I try and play game games yeah. with it. You know. Yeah, and obviously that's that's something that parents feel really, and, and even Lockie and I and, and most people our age can see with kids is that some parents really struggle to make their kids try new things and it's a balancing act. You don't know where to go, whether to let them have whatever they want or to restrict them from foods. But I think at the end of the day, yeah. it comes down to the personality of the kid, whether they're wanting to try new things or whether they're more reserved and, and more habitual with their foods. Um, yeah, that's so it. it's quite hard to reach. It's quite hard for a parent to, to really get their kid to try new things. You know, they can try it, but if kids are it just is. not willing, it's not. It's very hard. You know, it is. It's hard. You know, and that's that's just I try try and teach my daughter the importance of nutrition and what it does for the body. Uh, you know, she's only six, so uh, at home I'm, um, you know, build a strong foundation with her and pretty meticulous with those four steps, but. You know, when she's out and when we're out and it's a kid's party, then I let her enjoy and be yeah. a kid and go have fun, you know what I mean? So yeah. trying to find a good foundation at home and then when we're out at uh, different things or parties that she wants to go to, then you just uh, let her go. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we've got one question that we ask all our guests and um, you'll be on the spot. So what's one tip for listeners to improve the overall health in any way? Uh, I would say throw out all your vegetable oils and industrial okay. seed oils. So you know, canola oil, sunflower oil. Now these oils are oxidized already in the bottle and when we're cooking with them, they create free radicals in our body and free radicals turn the plaque build up in our arteries and blood vessels. So you know, we're, that's in, we're slowly poisoning ourselves into chronic disease mm-hmm. if we're using these oils. So get rid of those oils, you know, cook with more natural oils like avocado oil that can withstand heat, extra virgin olive oil on warm heat, um, you know, coconut oil if you like the taste of that. Yeah. Um, you know, you know if, you, if it comes from a good source and, you know, duck fat or, or beef tallow, you know, those those oils can withstand heat and offer us nutrition as well. Yeah, I love that one. That was actually a really good answer. Yeah, um, yeah, it's quite different to usually we get you know, get out and move, which is, they're all, they're all great, great uh, tips, but that one's very specific and it can really help, you know, just health and up the, the overall kitchens of everyone's households, you know? Um, so yep. this is actually the first time we'll be doing this because, you know, you're one of our, or you're one of our first uh, big athletes on the podcast. 
Um, but we've we've put up we put up a post earlier on in the week asking people that follow us and people that follow us on our personal accounts um, any questions for you. So we've gotten we've got actually four questions here. Um, yep. So now we're going to our rapid fire questions. We're probably going to call it this from now on. So we're going to our rapid fire questions, and Lockie and I will ask you one uh, two each. Uh, so the first one uh, we've got is your proudest career moment besides NRL grand final wins. So anything else besides you know your NRL final wins? Uh, I would probably say either the Golden Boot Award or the Wally Lewis Medal. Pretty prestigious awards. Um, those two were. Apart from the grand finals, those two were right up there. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. And um, next one, who's the most talented player you've played alongside? Yeah, look, I've got three that I really can't split. One of them was my teammate, Brad Fittler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was Andrew John, so I played with New South Wales with, had a great combination with. And then the other one I played with in the Aussie team with was Darren Lockyer. Mm-hmm. Now, those, they all had different attributes, but they were just unbelievable players. See, Lockie and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. We thought you would have a bit of a biased answer and go with some Roosters players. <laughs> uh, we had a little bit. <laughs> Look, that, yeah, those, those, well, obviously, Freddie is, is yeah. my teammate. Um, yeah. He was just instinctively unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Where Joey was just a real thinker. He mm. would just outthink everyone. He was amazing. And, and Lockie was just, just the way he moved. He could skip two or three players in a heartbeat, put you on an overlap. So those three players are really can't split. Yeah, awesome. Well, you probably rehearsed that answer a bunch of times. You've probably heard it a bunch of times. But um, <laughs> we'll go on to our next one. Um, so this is more, uh, you know, contemporary question. But obviously the, the game is resuming on the 28th, I believe, 28th of May. Yeah, next week. Um, next week. Yeah. So who, in your opinion, this is very broad, but who, in your opinion, do you think has the best, best chance to win this year from what you've seen in the first two, um, you know, rounds? Yep. First Look, I think it's, an, it's, a, it's a different season, obviously, because COVID and yeah. especially with no crowds as well, no atmosphere. Mm. So I think the, the, the good coaches will rise to the top. Uh, so you've got uh, Canberra is going to be right up there. Uh, Craig Bellamy with the Storm. You know, I think the Roosters will be thereabouts. Uh, we'll, we'll be challenging for a spot. Don't worry about that. But I think yeah. uh, the, the teams that are more consistent week to week, yeah. I think will... Because this season is going to be more of a mental challenge. Mm. You know, you're playing without crowds, so some teams are just some players. Even there's no atmosphere; they're a bit off mentally, and they can have a poor game. But the teams that don't that are consistent, the Melbourne Storms, you know, the Raiders are still up and coming, so they're going to be consistent. They're going to be good this year, and and the Roosters. Yeah. Absolutely. And the dogs, of course. And the dogs. Consistent on the other end. Yeah, yeah. Consistent on the other end. So, last one. Uh, who's the most exciting player that you think is upcoming? Most exciting player that's up and coming. Ooh. Um, yeah, so you might have one from the Roosters. Because obviously, you're more, you're more embedded in the Roosters camp. So, maybe you have one of those. Or, or anyone else that you've seen on TV or in person that you think has a lot of potential to be... Uh, Quite, quite a player. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Who's at the Roosters that's up and coming at the moment? Uh, you got Billy Smith, who's quite players. a... Yeah, Billy, Billy Smith was, um, you know, he's... I was excited to see him get that centre spot this year and then yeah. he did his knee yeah. pre-season, so yeah. he, he was devastated. Uh, he's a good kid too, so he was an exciting talent that um, we'll have to wait probably another mm. year with, with recovery of that ACL injury. Uh, I you know, look, 
the guy that one of the, the um, he's not young, is he? He's, he played New South Wales last year. Was the South Lock? I think he's just a pretty exceptional player. Uh, just escapes my mind at the moment. His name, it'll come to me. Uh, but the, you know, across the board in the NRL, just the talent is just phenomenal. The athleticism of all these, these. You know, I, I played at eighty-eight to ninety kilos. You know, now I'll, I'll get ragged on yeah. that weight. <laughs> you yeah. know, these guys are well over ninety-five kilos, a hundred kilos uh, as an outside back. You know, uh, James Tedesco, he's you know he's ninety-seven kilo. You know, he's yeah. just powerful and footwork is unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, just watching these athletes go around is pretty exciting. So I'm sure everyone's excited about next week getting getting footy back on the TV screens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as I am, so can't wait. Yeah, and there's players like David Fafita who are yep. over 100 kilos but powerful runners. And, mm. like, it's it's crazy how, how big people are getting but still be able to be mobile. and Payne Haas. Yeah, you know, he's, he's got... Yeah, Payne Haas, he's a freak, yeah. He's, he's one guy that I... I one guy that I should have mentioned there, yeah, but it's mm. pretty exciting. Just the work rate and the power base, and he's just a, got a good motor on him too. Yeah, the, the ability to keep the footwork when you're that big of a guy is really impressive. Um, yeah, so totally. um, that, that'll wrap it up for us today. I think uh, we've been very privileged today to have you on the show, and thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Um, we'll just allow you now to plug plug anything else you'd like. Um, Maybe give us a recap of where people can find Minifit and your own personal Instagram, um, and any upcoming things that you think you'll you'll be uh, sharing on those websites or those platforms. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it, boys. Um, so you can find me at minifit.com.au if you want to sign up to my uh, workouts. Uh, Instagram, my personal Instagram is minicello001, and my Minifit Instagram is minifit now. And I've just filmed um, my story. I just finishing up the editing of my whole career and ups and downs and I'll go into those four steps in 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 depth as well so that's gonna be on my website in the next couple of weeks and I've got a lifestyle tab that I'm gonna start populating as well so uh no it's, it's pretty exciting I want to delve into the lifestyle stuff as well as long uh, uh, along with the uh the workouts the live workouts and on-demand workouts as well so Great. exciting that's awesome and yeah thanks for coming on again it was amazing to get into some of your experiences and especially your extensive nutrition knowledge and uh fitness knowledge because i know there's a lot that the listeners can gain from today so thank you very much thank you so much for coming uh, on yeah appreciate you having me on boys anytime so I'd just like to thank Minnie again and we'll have all these links in the description and for any new listeners today that came from Minicello, we'd just like to say uh, check us out on our recent episodes where we talk about anything within nutrition, mental health and exercise and you can gain a lot of knowledge for yourself and if you love today's episode, please subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform and make sure to follow us on the Nutrition Expedition. Alright, see you guys later.